0: Hello, everyone. It is so great to be with you again. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Joe, one of the lead pastors here at Grace. And if you're joining us uh, online or over at our Montrose location, what is up? It is great to be with you, too. Uh, So glad you could be here with us. So if if you've had the uh, option to uh, lock in with us these last couple of weekends, we've been talking about this idea of all in, all out. And if you don't know what that is, I want to highly recommend you go back, check out the last three weeks. It has a lot to do with where Grace Church is going, what we're up to, uh, what we're investing our lives into. Uh, check those things out. And Jeff also mentioned this idea of having some question and answer sessions, some desserts, if you will. He specifically mentioned having some small cheesecake squares from Samuel's Club, uh, which is really funny because when you think about Sam, those cheesecake squares, um, There's really a funny thing. These are seasonal, and uh, these will not be at those uh, desserts or those question and answer uh, sessions. So if you were signed up for one and you were gunning for those cheesecake squares Are bad. Okay, so, uh, but those are going on as we speak. Maybe you missed out on the fact that those are actually happening this weekend, and so if you uh, meant to sign up for one of those, there's actually still some slots available. If you didn't realize that that was this weekend, and this weekend doesn't work for you, but you want to do that, uh, there will be some more in about two weeks from now, so check those out. Uh, Get kind of dialed in, and it's going to be a lot of fun to continue to see where God takes us uh, over these next few years. So again, you can check those things out on the WAP, uh, on the WAP or the website. Uh, and so uh, sometimes I have a peach in the spediment and, sediment and uh, it just gets the best of me. So, um, but that's what happened. And we are getting into a new series this weekend uh, this whole idea of things we forget uh, to believe, right? And I'll just be flat honest with you. Uh, as I was preparing for this weekend, this content, this mindset, this, this whole thing, it just, it honestly just messed with me. Like, uh, I realized that on my day-to-day journey with Jesus, when I'm trying to follow him, when I'm walking with him, I believe in him, I want my life to reflect him, uh, there are things that I forget to believe And where we're going to land here today, I got to, again, just be honest. I need to lean into uh, my own landing point as I speak with you today. Because a big part of where we're going to go is it's not about the strength that we can muster. And even if we know a version of how Jesus can give us the strength that we need, it's still not about the strength That we exude, it's about him. It's about what he does in us, through us, that he is the strength that we lean on. And as I kind of share with you uh, this weekend, uh, that's where I need to be personally. Now, one of the places that this can start to mess with us is if we start to look at like the miracles of Jesus. There are parts of Jesus' story that most of us, we have no problem talking about. We have no problem believing in. We're excited about these facets of who Jesus is, his teaching, his love, the way that he reacts to people and responds to people, the way that he invites them into relationship with him and the Father, the way that he kind of goes about life. We're like, man, he's amazing. And we even believe the miracle that we're going to be celebrating here in a few weeks and Easter, we're like, man, he died for my sins, he resurrected again, that's incredible, only God could do that. But then there's some of these things in between that sometimes we just don't talk a lot about because we don't know how they play out today. We don't understand necessarily how the miracles of Jesus teach us or show us much about who he is and certainly about what that's going to do for us uh, here in 2022. And so as we kind of look that way, as we start to look at how Jesus interacted with people in more of a miraculous fashion, what does that show us? What does that teach us? And maybe what are some things that we've been forgetting uh, to believe? Now, I've noticed in my own patterns that a lot of times... I will just straight up ask God to equip me to help me have what I need to get through whatever it is that day. I want to exude the strength. I want to exude the wisdom. I want to exude what it takes to get through my life. And oftentimes that's exactly how I'll pray. And many of us might be thinking like, well, is there anything wrong with that type of prayer? Shouldn't we be asking God to help us in those fashions but I think there's a subtle shift, right? There's this subtle mindset of instead of uh, wanting him to equip us, why aren't we leaning on him instead? And so maybe as I open up a little bit transparently and as we kind of walk through a couple of passages, maybe this will help all of us here this weekend. It's about dependence, not necessarily getting stronger. Now, there's a couple of things that uh I've been through that have helped me understand this principle. Um, I actually used to be a student ministries pastor, uh, what is now honestly a long time ago. Uh, And so I used to lead a group of students and that was super fun, Uh, loved doing that. And I would take them on some trips from time to time uh, to DC or to Philly uh, or these different places to serve and to learn and all that kind of stuff. And I remember specifically on one of these missions trips to Philly, I don't know why this question sticks out so much to me. And maybe it's actually for this weekend. My memory is for your pleasure. Okay, so that's uh, where we're at. But I took this trip. It was so fun, like, we're just hanging out in Philadelphia, like, this guy back here with hair, that's me, uh, right, with sunglasses on, and uh, man, it was nice to shift the hair around for once, but uh, it's just great, and then uh, we, ha- we had a great time as we're checking out Philadelphia and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it was just an absolute uh, great time, but I remember uh, this was July, and we're walking through Philadelphia, and it's hot in July in Philadelphia, right, and like, it's about 2.30 in the afternoon, we're checking all these things out and then all of a sudden one of the students asked me this question and and with this tone um it was like are we gonna have dinner tonight like it's 2 30 in the afternoon like I don't skip meals, I don't know if that's obvious or not to you, like, um, I'm like, this, we're like two and a half days into this trip, they've eaten every meal along the way, you know, and uh, if you know me at all, I can be pretty sarcastic, if not a little snarky, and everything in me wanted to reply with all of that, but it actually got me thinking almost like right away, like, what, what would make you question Whether or not I'm going to give you your basic sustenance while we're on this trip. Like what switch flipped in your mind or in your heart to where suddenly you don't trust that I'm going to give you a meal? Like how how did that shift happen, right? Now this is very different. That question is very different than when my seven-year-old daughter approaches me. As a matter of fact, for a couple of days this week, my wife was out of town with a couple of her best friends, and so me and my daughter were hanging out a bunch. She never once asked, like, "Dad, are we actually going to eat?" You know, while while mom's gone, like, she never had a question about that whatsoever. As a matter of fact, for us, it was much more about where are we going to eat because that's my recipe specialty. Like, where are we going to get dinner? Where are we getting breakfast? Um, like, but. She never once questioned the if, right? She just simply was curious, Dad, how are you going to provide in this moment? She didn't have a doubt in her mind whatsoever. She was just simply curious. I wonder how my father is going to actually take care of what I'm going through this time. And that's a very different mindset a very different way to approach how does God get us through some of the most tumultuous things that happen to us in our life. We can run to him and say like, God, are you going to show up? Are you even there? Are you going to get me through this? Or we can realize based on his track record, both in the scripture and in our lives, maybe it's more of a question of, God, how are you going to get me through this? How? Are you going to take me there? Well, these, I think, are the two different pathways that we'll kind of explore tonight. But this passage, if nothing else, highlight this passage, lock in this passage. This is so helpful. And I just, it hit me so fresh uh, this week. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. It says, when I think of all this, all the things that God is doing, I, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. The reason that this passage was striking me so fervently this week is because oftentimes when I go to God for my life issues, I'm not often thinking through this lens. I'm often thinking through more of a lens of like, God, if it doesn't bug you too much, if you could just give me a little bit of a nudge, that'd be great. Instead of realizing that he is the God that can do infinitely more than we might ask or think, that he is the God that shows up in ways that we can't fully expect, that we'll never fully understand, and that, yes, there are times when we might experience his strength or we might experience what he's doing, but it's always through him. This is where we're going to land today. This is what I want us to just soak up, that we can go to him for anything and everything. Now let's take a look at how the disciples first caught on to this, right? So as Jesus is walking the earth, as he's navigating this, let's go to where he's at and see how the disciples first realize just who it is they were dealing with. So if you have a Bible or you want to open your phone and follow along, or you can do so in the app, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. We're going to kind of land here for most of the day today. So, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. This is the passage where, if you're familiar with the story at all, that Jesus calms the storm. Okay, Jesus calms the storm, and he does something incredible. And the disciples' reaction, I think, shows us a lot about how we can find ourselves as we're seeking God. So in verse 35, it says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Then Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. By the way, this is like one of my favorite details in the Bible. Like, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, and in case you were wondering, his head was on a cushion. Uh, Like, it just... Thanks, Mark. Uh, The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care that we're going to drown? I find this to be a fascinating response. Jesus, if, if, if you're kind of following the timeline of how Jesus has been working with the disciples, they have seen enough, they have heard enough to drop everything in their life and follow Jesus on a daily basis wherever he goes. They have seen enough. They've heard enough. They understand the way that he interacts with people, helps people, engages people. They have given their lives to following him. And then all of a sudden, calamity hits, and their first reaction is, don't you even care? Now, if we're being honest, isn't that us sometimes? Isn't it amazing how fast we can kind of flip to, well, I can't believe God would even let this happen in my life. Does he even know? Does he even care? Does he even know that I am a good person? Why are bad things happening to me? And maybe we wouldn't say it with that slight attitude, but we'll ask those questions. And we'll wonder, where is God in this mess? And sometimes it'll even tempt us Wow, should I, should I even be following God? Because I don't see, I'm out here, the waves are crashing over my life. Things seem to be cu- crashing in. I feel like I'm about to be capsized. I feel like there's no hope in sight. And I can't, it seems like God's head is on a cushion. And I don't know what to do, and it seems like God isn't even there. Maybe you're better than I am, but... I'll ask that question from time to time. God, where are you? Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's the job change. Maybe your kids are going off the rails. Maybe it's the due date stacking up. Maybe it's sickness. It doesn't matter what it is, but as those waves crash in, we're often yelling at God, why me? And they had just seen all of this stuff. They'd been seen Jesus healing people, feeding people, engaging people, teaching things that were absolutely blowing their minds. He has shown how much he cares for people, and yet they arrive at this conclusion. Where'd that come from? It came from fear. It came from fear. It's amazing what fear does to us. We can feel calm and cool and collected, and we have everything figured out, and we know exactly where we're going, and then something crashes in, brings fear into our life, and we have no idea how to respond. And we feel like, well, where is God in this moment? Why am I feeling so anxious about this? Why is anxiety sweeping into my life about this circumstance? Maybe you've never even had that before, and all of a sudden, you feel just absolutely paralyzed. You can't act because you're afraid of what's going to come next. Your courage is completely leaking out and you don't know what to do. Just like us, the fear that the disciples were facing led them to an irrational and hopefully temporary conclusion. Circumstances that crash in on our life can make it very hard to see and remember that God is with us Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is right there. And not only is he right there, somehow, like, look at it from the flip side. He's sleeping through the storm. Jesus is so unconcerned about the storm that he's sleeping through it. And he's right there. Now, we look at the disciples, and if we see ourselves lining up with them, maybe even a small amount, then let's pay attention to what Jesus does next, because when he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. He wakes up, he rebukes the wind, and rebuke is a weird word right? Rebuke's a word that we use all the time. But we see it in the scriptures. What does it mean? It's a sharp disapproval or a criticism of someone or something because of their behavior or actions. So Jesus is basically saying, stop it, wind and waves. You're bothering me. Now, have you ever yelled at the weather? Maybe this weekend? It's (laughs) springtime! What? I woke up. There's snow on the ground. Are you kidding me? I walked outside, ran some errands. That wind was just cutting through my coat. I'm like, I thought we were done with this. Some of you were like checking out real estate in southern states today, right? You woke up and you're like, all right, honey, this is it. I'm moving. You ever yell at the weather? You ever notice how it does no good? (laughs) We can be upset that it's raining, upset that it's snowing, upset that it's cold. In three months, we're gonna flip-flop on ourselves and complain that it's too hot, right? We're gonna be so upset that it's muggy and hot and I can't do anything outside because, oh goodness, we, just, we, rebu- we rebuke the weather all the time. We're always upset at its actions and behaviors. And yet when we say something to it, nothing happens. Nothing. And here's Jesus showing up rebuking the weather and suddenly calm suddenly incredibly different suddenly it's drastically a different situation and what this reminds me is that just because it seems that jesus is sleeping during the storms of our life doesn't mean that he's uncaring and can't drastically change the situation. Just because Jesus seems to be sleeping on your storm doesn't mean that he couldn't be moments away from saying, silence, be still, to whatever is turning your life upside down. Well, then he turns to his disciples and he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, this is, this is important because i think when we read passages like this sometimes i feel like we move words around in our heads and we read that he rebuked the wind and said to the waves and then we read that then he asked his disciples a question and what we read was he got the storm to be quiet and then he rebuked his disciples and that's not what it says When those teenagers were asking me if we were going to have dinner like at all, ever again, are they going to live past today? I could have responded snappily but instead like I mentioned, I just felt this like wait a minute, what switched? Why why don't you trust that I'm going to bring you a meal this weekend? Jesus saying why are you afraid? Like, what's happening in you that fear would be your response? I'm right here. Do you not have faith in me? I'm here in the boat. I'm right there with you. Why are you afraid? He's reminding them that he's been who he's proven himself to be. And then the disciples react to that and they say, the disciple they were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, here's that word, terrified, fear again. But this time it's different. This time it's not anxiety about their circumstances. This time it's not a lack of courage to respond. This time, this is high reverence, high respect in the same way that we would respect heights we would respect a ladder we would respect when we get into our cars I was just thinking about this the other day like you just get in and you just buckle your safety belt you don't even think anything of it and the reason that we do it is because we respect the situation that we're putting ourselves in I realize that I could be in an accident today and I want to make sure, like we respect those multi-ton machines that we drive in. We we have a healthy fear and understanding that there are lots of other people out there on the road that aren't thinking about what I'm thinking about and I'm not thinking about what they're thinking about and that, I was almost to say collision, but that's kind of the opposite of what I'm saying, but that, that intersection of us trusting each other, we have a healthy fear in a good way about certain things in our life, a reverence, a respect, and these disciples of Jesus are realizing, maybe for the first time, that Jesus is in charge of everything. They saw him heal some people. They saw him be kind to some people. He was an excellent teacher, but he just told lightning to stop. He told thunder to be silenced. He told the wind to cease. And he told the waves to be a sheet of glass. And instantly it responded. And here's the crazy thing about this story I don't know if you caught that there was a small parenthetical. It said, Other boats followed. Other boats were there. You ever go fishing, and you're like, I caught a fish that was like this big, and that story just grows? Well, if these 12 disciples were out there by themselves on the lake, they could have come back, and that storm, whoo, let me tell you, it was a crazy storm. And they're all like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It was terrible, right, buddy? <laughs> yeah, Bart, that was But other boats followed. And they didn't know that Jesus' head was on a cushion. (laughs) But they would have been experiencing the same waves, the same wind, the same craziness of that storm. And then all of a sudden, it was gone. And so when the disciples start sharing this story, when they get to the other side, and even years later as they're sharing the story, like you'll never believe about this one time, that when that story is being shared, there are all of these other people that are on a boat like, yeah, I was nuts, and we had no idea that some guy said stop and everything stopped. All we know was it was a ridiculous weather phenomenon that happened. And suddenly when we heard that Jesus did something, that makes sense because that storm stopping the way that it did doesn't make sense. And so we read this story, we read this narrative, we recount what happened. And there are all of these people that are saying, yep, that's exactly what my experience was as well. Well, this response of Jesus, this Reaction of the disciples leads them to a place where they can start questioning lots of things if they want to. Because we could also ask Jesus, and maybe sometimes in our in our moments where we're not thinking that clearly or not thinking that straight, we could also ask, Well, Jesus, why, why did you lead us through the storm in the first place? Could we have avoided the storm? We're starting to glimmer a little bit that you kind of know a lot of what's going on you've you've read people's thoughts already you're healing people you're teaching things in ways that we've never seen before you just calmed the storm couldn't you have just delayed why did we have to go through the storm in the first place couldn't we have just waited a night couldn't we have went in the morning why did you even want to take us through the storm And Jesus could have taught them about it. That would have been much easier. Hey, guys, let's open up to the book of Isaiah, see how this works. And by the way, I'm in charge of the wind and the waves. (sighs) Seriously? Yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be crazy if you could see that sometime? Trust me, it's amazing. Like, Jesus could have just taught about it. But instead, he let them experience the suffering. He let them show how Jesus responded in the midst of that storm. And they got to see firsthand Jesus' power in the middle of it. Sometimes when we walk through storms, it's not because Jesus forgot to detour us. It's not because God was like, oh, that was Tuesday. Oh, man, I, I meant to get you out of that. I'm so sorry. But instead, I feel like God is doing something different, that God is allowing us to walk through these storms. He's allowing us to experience the waves. He's allowing us to even experience the fear that comes with it because he wants to show us something greater, something better. And at this moment for the disciples, it is when they discovered who Jesus fully was. They discovered another level of his power. They discovered another thing about how awesome this man is that they have decided to give up everything to follow. You see, for them, they realize that God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Later, when Paul writes this in Ephesians, like we read, they're starting to experience it firsthand. We were wondering why Jesus was asleep. We were going to ask him his advice. Should we bail? Should we jump over? What should we do? Should we pray? What should we do? Jesus just calms the storm. That was not on my radar. I, I, I wouldn't have even have thought to ask Jesus to calm the storm. But he can do more than we might ask or think. I wrote in my notes, don't underestimate god these small prayers these subtle prayers if we knew who we were talking to we might ask for a whole lot more now as i was reading through this passage this was coming alive to me but then i started to ask myself the question okay but what do I do with that knowledge? What do I do with the fact that now I know and trust that Jesus can calm a storm and he can calm the storms in my life and that's, reaffir- that's reaffirming, that's, that's, that's helpful, that's encouraging. Uh, maybe I'll get a mug made with it on the side. You know, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can might ask or think and that's a great way to start the day. But what do I like do with that? I want you to flip with me over to Romans chapter eight. I feel like the apostle Paul writes some things down that for me at least help me realize a little bit more of a pathway that I can kind of hang my hat on. In verse 31, Paul says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And of course, he's, he's referring to things like Jesus calming the storm. All of these things of who God is and his power and his might, his love and his mercy what shall we do about these wonderful things? Well, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? I went to the uh, um, me and my college friends. I got three buddies, four buddies, actually, sorry, I'm counting wrong but um, we, we went, our, started to go on an NFL stadium tour about four years ago is we live all over the country and so it was kind of a definitive way like, well, let's get together every once in a while. Well, why would we get together? And if you're like me, if you don't have a reason to get together, you don't get together, And the next thing you know, it's 15 years later, like, oh, we should've got together. Doesn't happen. So like, let's do an NFL stadium tour. That'll motivate us to actually fly and see somewhere. Well, this last year, uh, we went to the uh, Chiefs game in, in Kansas City. So uh, we're all Browns fans, so we went to the Browns-Chiefs game, and that was when, uh, in 2021, you still had hope in the Browns, and so uh, you, you were like, oh, man, they might really do something good, and they even played the Chiefs really well, and you're like, oh, wow, this is really, really great, but I remember, like, whenever we had control of the game, whenever the Browns had control of the game, I'll never forget, like, the Chiefs fans were just chilling, It's like they were sitting on blocks of ice. They're just sitting back watching like, the movie's gonna end the way we want it to end. I've seen this a thousand times. And as a Browns fan, you're like, what are you talking about? And it's because when they're down, they're just like, well, give them all to Bat Mahomes and he's just gonna throw it down the field and he's just gonna score and we're gonna come back we're gonna win. We do this all the time. And they were right. (laughs) It was so frustrating. But they had all the trust in the world because in their minds, and this is just football, they're like, well, if Pat Mahomes is for us, who can be against us? (laughs) Guys, in life, if God is for us, what could be against us? God's not scrambling around trying to figure out how to navigate reality. He's not surprised about the storms that you're going through, that we're going through. He's not, he, he's not thrown off by election results. He's not wondering what to do about the economy. He's saying, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. And whatever storm we might find ourselves in, God is with us. Who can be against us? Paul continues a couple verses later, and he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? I mean, listen to how much this can sound like us, right? Does it, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or if we're hungry or if we're destitute or if we're in danger or we're threatened with death? You start to put the circumstances of the last few years right into this passage. Well, if things, trouble or calamity, saw some of that. If we're persecuted, well, people are yelling at me and they don't don't like what I believe anymore. If we're hungry, if inflation continues to do what it's doing, I thought, if we're destitute, if we're in danger, wait a minute, war, war is real in the 2020s? Like, how is that possible? If we're threatened with, if any of that happens, are we separated from Christ's love? Paul's response is profound. He says, "No, despite all these things, despite all the craziness, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us." This this right here, overwhelming victory through Christ. Overwhelming. Not whew, barely made it. Overwhelming victory. But here's here's the pathway that I'm prone to taking. That, if me watching people is it even remotely accurate, that I'm afraid that sometimes we're tempted to take too. We read this passage and we're like, wow, God loves me no matter what I'm going through. That's amazing. He doesn't want me to have to go through and be stuck in that storm. He doesn't want me to be addicted to, he doesn't want me to have to just fall to all of my temptations. He actually wants to take me through that. So, and then here's our kind of default response. I should fight that addiction on his behalf. I should show him how much I love him by wrestling that temptation to the ground. I should show him how much I love him by fighting through the circumstance that I'm stuck in and forging ahead to prove to him how much I love him. That is often our default response. It's mine. But the disciples, when they were on that boat, the storm wasn't calmed because they remembered a verse. The storm wasn't calmed because they threw enough stuff overboard and it settled the ship down. The storm wasn't calmed because they got the sails right and they figured out the rudder and they figured out how to. The storm wasn't calmed because they threw a couple people overboard. Hey, uh, Judas, uh, we're getting an inkling that you're not gonna do this right. So why don't we just throw you overboard and we're now 11 men. Ma- it wasn't their own merits. It wasn't their own strength. What calmed the storm was Jesus. It was Jesus. We have the opportunity to see overwhelming victory. But it's not going to be because we figure something out. We have the opportunity to have that overwhelming victory, but it's not because we figured out how to get stronger. It's not because we're going to figure out how to get better. It's not going to be because we figure out how to get more disciplined. It's because we're going to go to him and it will be done through him. We have this temptation to step forward and try to do all of the stuff. But you see, God doesn't need to give us one more reason to depend on ourselves as opposed to him. He doesn't need to give us one more reason to depend on ourselves instead of running to him. That's already my default. I already think I'm smart. I already think I got most of my life together. I already figure I, I, I got my weaknesses in check enough to survive. What do I? Need? He doesn't need to give me one more reason to look at myself in the mirror and go, You got this all together. I do need to see who he is more clearly. We need him, and we can flip the script. So here's the deal. We have a storm, and you know what it is, better than anybody. Some of you feel like the waves are crashing over the walls of the boat, and you do not know how to get through. You have a storm. You're in this room, so at a minimum, you're flirting with understanding the fact that God is on your side. He loves you. He wants you to be with him. He wants to give you life and life abundant. He wants you to be his child. God is on your side. These things are true. We're in this, this is true, hands down. But then, our default response is I need to prove myself, so I need to try harder. I need to prove myself. God, I do trust you, so I'm going to muscle through. God, I trust you, so I'm going to do the things. God, I'm gonna lock in and I'm gonna work hard, fight hard, talk right. I'm gonna try harder but I want to offer a different path. And that's where instead of that, we run to him because he's got it. When we're tempted, the reason it's a consistent temptation most of the time especially if we feel like we fail. My guess is, and my experience is, it's because we try to prove ourselves and we try harder. I won't eat that, I won't click that, I won't say that, I won't close that door with that person in the room. I, I will prove myself, because I, can beat temptation. And my guess is there are many of us in the room or watching online that that script does not play out the way that we wish it did near often enough. We're addicted to something. It's got a grip on our life. I can do it. I can be a disciplined person. I can overcome my own do- dopamine releases. I can get through this. It doesn't matter if it's chemical or situational or relational, or for some of us, it's turning on the Flight Memorial Parkway and then into that long drive-through line. It doesn't matter, that's Chick-fil-A if you don't have the same addiction that I do. <clears throat> I can overcome it, and, and we're gonna prove ourselves. and we're gonna try harder. Why doesn't it work? Because the disciples didn't save each other in the boat. Because the overwhelming victory isn't about who experiences it. it's about who does it. Because the script in my life, it is different. when I'm tempted and I start praying. God, I need your help right now. Right now. And it's not a two-second prayer. It's not the, Jesus, help me. Okay, I'm just gonna do whatever I want anyway. It's the run to him. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, the temptation is still there. I'm gonna lean in even more. Jesus, I'm really confident that this temptation is about to overtake me. I'm going to lean in even more. What's that song that always gets me? Let's listen to that song. Let me open up to that passage. Matter of fact, let me go read about how Jesus calms the storm in Mark 4. Because when Jesus, if Jesus can calm the storm, Jesus can keep me from... And you know, it's, ama- it's amazing. Whenever I do that... It's amazing that he shows that he's got it. But whenever I try to do it on my own, I don't got it. Because the overwhelming victory is through Christ. It's through Christ. It's it's through Christ. And so, even even trying to run to some version of Christian disciplines or like run to him. How? Pray. Talk to him. How? Open up to a passage. I don't know which one. I just told you one. I just taught on one for about a half hour to 40 minutes. Mark 4, it's really good. Jesus calms the storm. Go to that. Read it over and over and over again. Because even when that question hits again, why are you afraid? I'm right here. Let me show you what faith you can have. Let me talk to that storm. Silence. Be still. Run to him. If you need help, go to him. If you can't figure something out, go to him. If you can't figure out what to do next, go to him. You might be angry with me because this sounds so simple, and that's the point. Jesus didn't come to lay out this complicated pathway that would be hard to shoulder, that would be a crazy burden to overcome, so that we could fight through life. Jesus came to set us free. Joe, it can't be as simple as just go to him. It is. Run to him. He has personally pulled through for me twice in the last two days. And many times in my past. Run to him. Go to him. I think sometimes we forget to believe this. And there's something about the human experience that wants to prove our own worth and to figure it out ourselves. And God is saying, what humans have figured out is they can't do it on their own. But I am here to set you free. I've got this, I will calm the storm. Just trust me as you're going through it. The band's gonna come out, they're gonna rearrange some stuff on the stage and we're gonna spend some time kind of just, (laughs) I want us to go to him. Don't lean into your routine, don't lean into Whatever it is that you feel like you have to accomplish even tonight, tomorrow, this week. But instead, lean into him. Let the lyrics of the song be a prayer of your heart to him. Give your temptations to him now. Give your addictions to him again now. Give the situation that you feel like you can't get unstuck from to him now. Now. And whether it's in the next day, or months, or weeks, or even years, or maybe in eternity, God will get you through the storm. He is faithful, and he's there. Will you pray with me? Jesus. fairly confident that the only times I've ever beat a temptation is when I ran to you. I'm fairly confident that the only times I have a handle on my addictions is because I'm focused on you. I'm also fairly certain that you have proven yourself in my life. You have proven yourself in others' lives. You've proven yourself in the scriptures time and time and time again that we can trust you in the middle of whatever storm we happen to be facing right now. So God, help us not forget to believe that what we need to do is run to you, is to go to you, and is to put our trust and our life in your hands and watch you work. Help us, Jesus see you and to trust you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.